Welcome to the Lady Beta Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Mern. I'm a climbing coach, business coach, and brain rewiring certified coach. In this podcast, we'll talk about all things climbing, business growth, and brain rewiring from a holistic point of view. You can hear more from me over on Instagram at ladybeta.coaching and on my website, ladybetacoaching.com. You can find freebies for training for climbing, building your business, and brain rewiring over there. I'm so excited to have you here. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have you here. I have got a really great interview for you today with one of my amazing clients, climbing coach Nick Ranelli. I have had the pleasure of working with Nick and seeing him grow, seeing him implement everything that we've worked on, and it's just, it's seriously so cool to be part of the process. I am so incredibly proud of him. When we first started working together, Nick wanted to make more of an impact. He wanted more free time. He wanted to do more of his own thing instead of working for other people. And what we actually ended up figuring out is he ended up at the end working more for himself, less for other people. And he was effectively working less hours overall, but making more money. So I call that an absolute win-win. I'm super excited to dive into this interview today. We're going to talk all about growth mindset, how to really be able to identify where our weaknesses are. We're going to talk all about competitions, how to come up with a strategy for competing, and journaling, how to use journaling for learning how to be more compassionate towards ourselves and how to use it for reflection. I think you're absolutely going to love this episode. I know that I have absolutely loved working with Nick. He is super smart. He is super motivated to make a change and make an impact in the climbing community. So it's really exciting for me to be able to bring you this interview. So let's go into some updates first. If you've been listening, you know that Ignite is now open for enrollment. I'm so excited. There are amazing, amazing people in this program so far. I'm so excited about everybody who has joined. The energy of this group is so upbeat, so ready to make a positive change in the area and the niche that they work in, and it's really so cool to see this all come together. So as a reminder, there are two different ways that you can join Ignite. You can join just the coaching call. This is usually the option for people that have worked with me before. They know the foundations. They're really solid in them. They feel like they have a good handle on the basics in their business, and they just need a little bit of guidance. Maybe they want help launching a product. They want help pivoting. They want help getting more clarity on who it is that they want to serve or what it is that they want to offer next. So we can do a lot of program development in there as well. And the other option is joining both the coaching calls and doing Ignite, the coaching program. So Ignite is 12 weeks of modules, educational content. You're going to learn everything from how to do the legal and the and financial sides of your business and who to go to for help in these areas because if this is not our area of expertise, it is really smart to have support around this. We're gonna learn how to identify who exactly it is that you're wanting to work with. I say this a lot, but if you're trying to talk to everybody, if you're a climbing coach and you're trying to talk to every single climber, a lot of your message is going to get lost in translation. We have to be talking to a specific group, a specific target audience. We're gonna talk all about creating an offer. So that's that program development, coming up with something that is irresistible for them that they cannot wait to work with you in. A capacity in a container that they are so excited about that they literally cannot wait to step into that and work with you. We're gonna talk all about how to market your offer. We're gonna talk about social media 
media, how to use that to your advantage, how to show up confidently on social media, how to really make the most of your time on there so that you're not just spending more time on social media. We're going to talk all about how to launch. This is actually two separate modules. It's a huge topic, so I broke it into two modules spread over two weeks. We're going to talk about how to build up to the launch process, why you need to launch, because it's not just one of those things. If you build it, they'll come. We really need to have a lot of awareness. We need to build a lot of visibility around our offer. There's a warm-up period. There's a during launch period, an after launch period. There's a lot of things to do with if you want to host a masterclass or a workshop and what does that look like. We really break it all down and we write out a calendar and make sure that you're feeling really good and really confident with that. After the launch, we come back and do a recap so that you feel really confident in everything that you've put out in your offer. It's so exciting. We're going to talk all about money mindset, brain rewiring for business abundance and success. This is a huge piece of this as well. We're going to talk all about scaling. Super important. I think a lot of business owners are, they get to a point with one-on-ones where they can't take any more clients and you know, you can't keep trading your time for dollars at a certain point. You can only take so many people. You only have so many hours in a day. So how do we start to scale? What are the questions that we need to be asking? Do you have offers that could be turned into something like a group program or a passive offer? That's a lot of what we do inside the program as well as really helping those business owners scale. So if you're at the point where you are looking to scale and you've maybe hit a couple of two or 3K months, maybe even a couple 5K months, but you're not at the 5K mark consistently every single month, I would highly suggest joining just the coaching call portion of it. I have payment plans available. Let me know. You can either send me a message on Instagram. I'm at ladybeta.coaching or you can send me an email, chelsea at ladybetacoaching.com. I'll be happy to give you pricing information for that and talk through it and make sure that it is a perfect fit for you. If you are looking to do the combination program, so both the live calls and Ignite, the educational coaching program, I will leave more info in the show notes. I'm so excited. Cannot wait for this to start. We get started on November 29th coming up pretty soon and enrollment will be closing within two weeks. So make sure that if this is something that you're interested in, you ask me all of your questions, check out the information page using the link in the show notes. And I am so excited to support this new round, new wave of business owners in their success. That is most of the updates for me. I will be in Leavenworth this week. This is one of the last weeks that I have my apartment in Leavenworth, so it'll be a little bit bittersweet, but I will admit I am kind of excited for climbing season to ramp down a little bit and spend a little bit more time grounding, working on my business. I have so much clarity in my business. Lately, I signed up for something that I am really excited about. I'll share details soon. You'll be the first to know as podcast listeners. I'm so excited to be adding a different component to my business. This is something that I've been really interested in, but it never felt like the right time. And all of a sudden last Friday, it was clear as day that this is absolutely the right time to start adding this component of it in. So I'm really, really stoked to be stepping into this new, it feels like new way of doing things. Like it's, I'm just so excited about it. I was really proud of myself for investing in myself and really listening to my intuition. I knew immediately, like right when that download, that message from the universe came in, I was like, okay, yep, doing the thing. I submitted my application to this program that I've been wanting to get into was accepted and it was just it was super easy it felt really right it felt really good I'm nervous I'm excited all at the same time that that really fun nerve-sighted feeling you can probably tell from my voice that I'm really excited about it but 
really looking forward to that. I will, again, be sharing more details soon as things start to unravel, as I learn a little bit more, and as I start to implement these different things. So stoked. And yeah, winter season is coming. I can feel it. I think I woke up this morning and it was like 29 degrees, which is quite chilly. I think we might have skipped fall. Um, that's fine. I'd like fall back, but if it has to be this way, it has to be this way. It's that uh, we really need contrast for appreciation, contrast in the seasons. You know, if I never had cold weather, would I really appreciate summer as much? Maybe, maybe not. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this interview with Nick. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited today. We have Nick Ranelli here. Nick is one of my former clients. He is a climbing coach. He competes in competitions. He's a climber himself. And I'm so excited to have him on the show to talk all about comps, training, and other exciting stuff. So Nick, go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience. Hey guys, uh, like I said, like she said, I'm Nick Ranelli. Um, I'm a climbing coach out of the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. I've been climbing for about five and a half years now. Uh, I've been competing the entire time, starting in the youth circuit, kind of like at the very top age groups. And then now in the, now I'm in college. So I'm stepping into the more open categories, um, just getting off the North American Cup series and heading into new, new coaching stuff. Exciting. How has the transition been from competing in the youth comps to then moving to the collegiate circles and then open? Um, well, I didn't do collegiate. I straight, I skipped it. Um, <laughs> Just straight to open. Yeah, I went straight to open. Uh, it's been, a, it's been a transition. It's, um, more nerve wracking. How so? Uh, well, I mean, cause you, you know, in the youth comps and you're like, when you look on social media and stuff, you see all the like pro climbers in the country, but, and all that, you see them doing hard climbs, et cetera, et cetera. And then you walk into these open comps. And you watch them warm up and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> um, so in like, you're, you know, when you're new to it, like I am, this is only my first season doing the open level. Um, at first, you definitely feel really out of your league. <laughs> yeah. And then you really got to like, it's, it's kind of like there's more pressure potentially, not from anything externally, but from yourself, you know, you're putting maybe a little bit more expectation to do well. And we're going to talk about physical training, but tell me a little bit about your approach in terms of mindset. So I know we've talked about this on our coaching calls and kind of, yeah. um, you've been traveling and competing this year. How's that been? So, yeah. So, I mean, mindset has been, so I've always been really good with like staying motivated. Um, that's something I've, that's always been, I've been really good at. Now, the confidence thing is something that I've struggled with this season. So it really hit me hard in the first comp. Um, so the one thing I always say is like, you really got to be confident in yourself when you go to these comps. Um, that's like the number one thing. So when I went to, so that was kind of like what I worked on after the first comp, because at the Salt Lake Bouldering Comp, during warm up, I lost all my confidence. Um, and it happens sometimes, um, you get a little freaked out, you get nervous, the nerves kick in too hard and that happens sometimes. So kind of over the course of the summer, I worked on heading into the Albuquerque comp, worked on just like maintaining confidence throughout a session. Even when the session goes bad, just maintain, just telling myself that I can do it. I'm a strong climber. I deserve to be here. 
all those self-affirmation things. And, and writing down in a journal is always helps to kind of like get your feelings out on paper um, so that you can, when you go to your next session, you can really make sure that you're actively targeting these in your head, talking to yourself positively and doing all those things. Yeah. I think we tend to look back on things with like the rose colored glasses and you're like, you only see like the good parts, but like you said, like writing it down on paper so that next time it comes up, you're like, actually I'm prepared for this this time. Yeah. I found journaling to be one of the smartest things anyone can do. Um, especially when it comes to working on mental game. Um, so I've worked with, a, you know, in a variety of the clients I've worked with and even myself, yeah, I've seen some try not journaling and just doing it a different way. And I've seen journaling work. Overall, I think journaling is probably one of the most effective tools when it comes to working on your mindset. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it helps to, to validate your feelings. And, you know, when you think back on things, like sometimes you're like, oh, it was so silly to be worried about it. But in that moment, your feelings are so real. And we can right. actually, you know, like allow those to take over. And that will, you know, potentially have a detrimental effect on your performance. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's it's really easy for your mental game to just alter your performance drastically. Um, it takes one, it takes two seconds of losing confidence for your performance to just drop completely. Mm -hmm. um, it happens in it's 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 a staircase. It's a spiral staircase. As soon as you take that first step of not being confident in yourself and believing in yourself, and then the next step is you mess something up on a warm-up climb that you know you would never do in a normal session and then it just continues from there yeah yeah it's like confirmation bias in the worst possible way like we're just essentially looking to reiterate that narrative that we've created literally mm -hmm. and then it's a whole nother ball game trying to bounce back in the middle of the session right it's a it's a lot easier to get a hold of it before it starts spiraling than to like come back from it correct Mm -hmm. Okay. So I know you work with youth athletes competing as well, and you work on the mindset aspect. Do you work mm -hmm. with your clients similarly to how you work with both yourself and your adult clients when they go to compete? In terms of my youth clients? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I use for the, for the most part, I mean, I use the same principles throughout myself and all my clients, you know, making sure that we're focusing on the specific goals, making sure that we're tailoring as best we can to the individual athlete. Um, those are probably the most important things. You know, everybody's different. Um, and you always got to make sure that at the end of the day, you're being specific to what your goal is. Um, so that's, I use that approach across myself, my adult athletes and my youth athletes. Mm -hmm. Do you see that kind of like the youth, the mindset struggles are really similar to what adults face as well? That's a good question, actually. So what you'll typically see Yes, you'll see the same issues pop up, but on a much different degree. Um, and I think that is just simply because adults have more developed brains and they're able to handle it a little more. Youth do typically um, struggle a little bit more with the mental game, but it's typically the same issues of not believing in yourself, um, not talking to yourself positively, talking negatively is a big one. That's probably the biggest one. Um, and then Again, not always taking the time to really listen to either whether that's your coach or a mentor uh, or even take the time just to do it on your own to journal it, work on talking to yourself more positively, saying those, if it's an affirmation, you're using a mantra, 
whatever it is you're using to work on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like too, like you're kind of implementing this behavior when they're pretty young. So hopefully they'll carry this on to when they're an adult. And for me, I didn't start competing until I was like 18 or 19. And all of the stuff that right. you just described, I'm like, yep, I went through all of that. And I was really hard on myself. And I wish I would, you know, had somebody to like walk me through this process because it probably would have saved me so much mental anguish. Yeah, exactly. You know, when, you know, when it turns to coaching youth, like it's really important to establish those mindset behaviors because that's going to really carry them through their climbing life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a huge impact. So let's talk about training. So mm-hmm. switching back over to adults. So let's talk first about competition style training. Cause I think that that sure. is, it's a really interesting aspect of our sport. And then we're going to talk about, I think some of like the myths or some things that you see people doing wrong that like, maybe we can start to fix these. So let's talk comp training first. What are kind of your top tips for that? So a lot of the things I'll do. So competition style setting is always changing. Um, as we've seen, as we've seen throughout the years. So one thing I'll tell if you know if it's like an independent athlete that is just looking that is just kind of in a consultation with me they don't end up necessarily doing a full program with me they just end up just hearing a couple tips you know one thing i'll tell people is watch professional climbing on youtube or like on espn watch the olympics watch the world cups and see the style of moves that the setters are sending um because a lot of times like the u like for example the usa climbing nationals um, those are the most of the time the setters are the same across the board. So, and they're taking the, the movement from World Cups, they're taking it from the things you see in the Olympics, and they're always trying to come up with new things. So, when you watch those moves on YouTube, try and replicate this in your gym. Um, or if you've got a good relationship with like your head setter and your setters, you know, ask them to see if they can replicate those moves. Because a lot of times those moves are not they're not as physically hard as most people think. Um, They're very precise. They're very timing oriented and they're very committing. Um, There's, it's not that often where you see a competition style move, like some of these coordination dinos or redirects where it's like, yeah, I just simply don't have strong enough fingers for that. That's normally not the case. Um, It's a very different movement style that is typically seen that's not typically seen outside right um you you have now i've seen some of these some of the more basic coordination dinos outside before it definitely has happened um that's a myth that i've heard a lot is that you never see these moves outside which is not 100 percent true i know i can um, think of I've many running jumps in my mind right now that i'm like actually i've, <laughs> I've seen a toe hook catch outside i have one at my i've seen one at my local crag mm-hmm. um so now, while they're definitely not that often, they do happen. Um, so it's just a different style of climbing. And a lot of times it is, like I said, it's more about timing, coordination, movement, really being precise. So that's probably my first tip is really understand the style of movement that's being seen a lot in the most recent comms and try and replicate it as best you can. Mm-hmm. Um, movement variety is like the biggest thing with comps. Yeah, I think that's a big one. So kind of touching on what you said about commitment. So that's almost mm-hmm. like a muscle that we can train in and of itself is kind of the best way oh, to yeah. about that, just repetition. Um, 
repetitions one way to go about it um a lot of it and this will also come back to the mental aspect we talked about with the journaling and stuff is those that positive self-talk of telling you you can do it because the commitment thing comes from believing in yourself it's not necessarily like i need to suck it up and do it that's like the that's the way we don't want it to happen um we really want it to come from you believing in yourself to the fullest so that goes back to the journaling the positive self-talk these affirmations typically what is seen a lot that i try to change when i work with people is them just being like oh fine let me just suck it up and do it that's because at the end of the day maybe you get that move but that's not making you better at commitment it's just making you better at that single move Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it really comes down to the mental game right like we don't need to essentially like berate ourselves into doing it in order to do it we could just like take a different path of like being open to believing that we could do it and you're probably going to have a much better relationship then with that type of movement exactly Mm -hmm. okay so other tips that you have for i'm going to call it like the new age style of setting (laughs) because it is it's it's like so much different um i think it's i i absolutely love watching comps and that's for me one of the biggest pieces of advice that i give people when they're interested in competing is like yeah go watch the movement because it's it's showy you know they're trying to give the spectators something to watch and something to cheer people on for so normally it is going to be a lot more dynamic and committing yeah um, one thing, so yeah, so movement variety is probably the first tip just, and then going uh, kind of like a subcategory to that is just like to explain it further, being comfortable in all styles, right? So that is, that includes being dynamic. Um, that includes being good at slab. Um, you know, typically in a gym, I see a lot of people avoid slab, which I get it. Slab, sometimes slab can not be that fun, but when you compete, um, you actually learn to appreciate slab a lot more. And a lot of times, like some of those slabs, those like coordination slab running jumps and stuff are kind of tricky. And But like once you stick them, they're really fun. So movement variety, being good in all styles and training at a variety of different places. Um, so a lot of times people get stuck in one gym. Um, I'm victim of this myself. It's, you know, going back to at the end of the day, it's movement variety. So going to different gyms. Um, or in your area and climbing outside as well will help you as well because you're going to get used to different setters you're used to a lot of different setters different movement different wall angles different styles different holds it's really about being comfortable in everything yeah like you kind of do have to be a jack of all trades or jill of all trades yep in order to because if you let's say for example (laughs) like when the setters you know they try to disperse things you know relatively evenly they'll have some really hard problems on steep walls slab walls vert like if you come across that and you're like oh i got three out of my five scores on the steep stuff that i'm really good at and then it came to slab and i like i got to find something a lot lower because i haven't developed this skill set exactly Mm-hmm. Yeah, all skill sets need to be developed in competition. You, because at the end of the day, you never know what the setter is going to throw at you. Um, so that's that's why that variety of training styles is so important. Being able to have be a jack or a jill of all trades, mm-hmm. so that whatever they throw at you, you're going to at least be able to comfortable in figuring it out. You're not going to get scared. You're not going to lose confidence. You're going to be able to commitment. Um, 
And, you know, if you see a, a huge redirect, I know you're going to be like, okay, I know how to do these before. I just got to figure this one out. I'll get it. I commit, try my hardest. And then boom, you'll get it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I have two different questions here. So the first one is, you know, you've been climbing for a while now, and I think route reading is a particularly good skill set of yours. You know, you could probably look at a, a problem and be like, oh, that's a that's a redirect dyno, or like that's that's something that I'm gonna have to do and perform here. Other people might look at that right. and be like, I have no idea what I'm doing until I get on it. So sure. what are some of your tips for people that are developing their route reading skills? Yes. Yeah, so one thing that I did personally, not recently, I didn't do this when I've worked on route reading, like kind of transferring into the North American Cup season, but I did a lot when I was in youth was watch pro climbing to kind of just see what new different types of moves look like. Um, that was what I did with my early climbing days. That helped me to understand what different moves look like. And then from, and then now recently I've kind of broken it down into steps. So it's with the comp style movement, you got to look at that. The comp style movement comes comes obviously with experience, um, but you got to learn to think a little bit outside the box sometimes as well. But in terms of just general general root reading, you know you want to make sure that you don't miss any of the holds. Obviously, that's the first and foremost thing. Is know where all the holds are. Look at the bot. Look at the type of holds and like take a three hundred and sixty degree view. So kind of look at the holds from all angles, and you'll be able to see like if it if it's clearly a huge move. Like you can clearly tell that you're jumping sometimes. If you see that you're jumping to, let's say, a sloper, right? Or like some of those, like, not necessarily jugs, but like more positive slopers that you can hit and hang off of and pull off of if you need to, look at the angle of it to see where your body's going to be. Because a lot of times with these like redirects or these comp style dinos, is especially if it's a paddle dino, you're going to want to make sure you keep your body behind it. Right. So if you are looking at it, trying to figure out if it is, let's say it's a paddle dyno, you want to make sure that you look at the angle so that you can position your body to continue pulling through. Um, so body positioning is a big part of it. You know, making sure you learn everything about the problem. And then from there, you come up with a couple of different ideas. Visualization is also key. Um, visualization is probably one of the biggest tools you can use in root reading because then it gives, you know, if you watch, like the Japanese national team, they will, they look like they're dancing on the ground because they're rehearsing the whole thing, but they're actually moving their arms and feet, their hands and feet. They're twisting their hips. They're doing everything to replicate what that climb is going to feel like off, off the wall. And you may get it wrong, right? But the best thing you can do to, cause you want to flash in comps. That's like the best thing you can do is flash boulders um, or, or roots. So you want to make sure you can do everything you can from the ground to learn about that comp so or that problem. The body positioning, the hold angles, where the holds are. Um, is it dual text? Is it not? Is it is it positive? Is it sloping? Is it in cut? Is it flat? Whatever you need to know, whatever it is you can learn from the ground. And then rehearse it, visualize yourself doing what you think the beta is. 
Yeah, those are great tips. And like you said, like you might get it wrong and that's okay. Or, you know, maybe you visualized it a certain way and your specific body type isn't able to do that, but maybe somebody else can climb it that way, you know? So that's also a big win. And for me, when I was coaching people, like I tried to like really hammer in, I was like, no, route reading is so important because, you know, yes, the goal, especially in competitions is to to flash or to do things quickly. That's not necessarily the goal out side all the time, but like, don't you want to be able to move on to different things? Like, of course we do, you know? So it's like, yes, if you're strong enough, then you want to give yourself the best chance of doing that as quickly as possible and open up more for yourself. Right. And one other thing going into the sequencing thing is you bring up a good point about like different body types. One thing I'll tell people is this is kind of like the last step. This is like what you do during visualization. Um, So let's try and figure out the intended beta that the setters intended and then see if there's certain moves like let's say you see okay this is the crux for me right if i do the setters intended beta but is it can i make it my style and make it a little easier for myself mm-hmm. that's kind of like having an alternate beta so like if you're so like a lot of times there will be some holds that you can chill for a second on and relax your mind if you see that you know have an alternate beta in mind so when you get there you can have in your head a quick change that you can make if you need to on the fly. Mm-hmm. Cause again, at the end of the day in a comp with bouldering or with roots, your goal is to flash. Yep. Yep. That's a really great tip. You know, something like being able to, if you know you're really good at heel hooks, like be looking for those opportunities. Maybe that's not the intended beta, but maybe you're like able to throw one and, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. that big move isn't quite as big. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So another thing that I want to ask about, so we talked a little bit about being a, a Jack or Jill of all trades and really making sure that you are a well-rounded climber. So this kind of comes back sure. to assessing your weaknesses. So, you yeah. know, obviously hiring a coach is a really great way to do that. You have this external person, you know, doing video analysis, they're watching you climb, they're asking you questions. How can people, you know, if they don't go the coach route, like how can they start to assess, you know, maybe I do need to like work on slab or maybe I do need to work on larger dynamic movements. The first thing I would do is ask yourself during a session, are you afraid to try any specific style or angle? And if they tell me, well, I'm really afraid to to get on crimps. I'm like, okay, well, you probably need to work on your finger strength and need to work on, you know, being comfortable on crimps. Um, so that's one. Um, so looking at the styles that you tend to shy away from is typically, typically ends up being your weak point. Cause that's because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like when people are comfortable and they don't learn to get uncomfortable to make progress, they're not going to try the angles or styles of climbing that they don't do well in because they don't want to get uncomfortable. Right. So ask yourself right. when you're in a session, do you shy away from anything because you don't, it scares you. You feel like you might get injured. I hear that all the time. Oh, if I try a crimpy climb, I'm going to hurt my fingers. No, you're not. Um, I mean, you could, you could, but you could also hurt your finger on a slow burger. You know what I mean? So like, just because it's crimp doesn't mean you're going to hurt your finger. Right. Again, it's like, we're almost like telling ourselves or telling other people those stories to like solidify what we believe, or we are, we're trying to like prevent that fear of failure, essentially. Like, yeah, Oh, I don't exactly. want to, like, you don't want to fail. Yeah. I don't want to look like I'm bad at that. So I'm just like going to further not do it. And then I'll just, and especially when there's like other people in the gym, they don't want to look, they don't want to look like they can't climb hard or mm-hmm. climb as hard as they can in front of other people. If they, 
you know, if let's say they're not good at slab or using bad footholds, they don't want to be pop their feet popping on the first move and not be able to get anything on the wall. Mm-hmm. When in reality, by just doing it and trying that is really what's helping you a lot. Mm-hmm. Just by trying it as much as you can. Yep, hundred percent. Um, I think back to like the first couple sessions that I had on the moon board because they're all mm-hmm. for me anyway. There are massive moves. I was like, I don't think yeah. I even got up that thing for the first. Like, I didn't climb a single boulder in completion for like the first two or three sessions, and I was like, Why am yeah. I on this? But then all of a sudden, it started clicking. But like, you have to make sure. it through that uncomfortable period in order to actually like, start to get some of those benefits. Yeah, if you want to make progress in anything, it doesn't even have to be climbing, it doesn't even have to be like business, it can be literally anything in your life, you need to at some point get uncomfortable, and then make that thing that was uncomfortable comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's yeah, taking those big steps. So, you know, beyond things that you essentially like when you think about it and you think about your style and you're like, yes, I gravitate mm-hmm. towards these angles, these types of holds, like the things that you feel hesitant against, those are the things that we need to be working on. Yeah. And also if, um, and all, another thing is, let's say we're, let's say you're training for an out, outdoors. Um, look at the type of climbing you're doing. If your project is crimpy, and powerful on crimps that should be your biggest focus is being able to move powerfully on crimps because that's that's what you're trying to do you're trying to you got to train for that yep while also being well-rounded and a jack of all trades and training your weaknesses Mm -hmm. yeah Um, like you can pretty much only be as good as like the weakest point that you have, because at some point you're going to come across it. Like, I mean, I I guess unless you just only specifically climb in one area, like you're probably going to run across like a slabby problem that calls your name or like something that has like a huge move in it. Yeah. And like, even for the people that predominantly do climb in one area, every now and then they travel Mm -hmm. for the most part, or they'll, or they'll, encounter of that random climb at their crag that's not necessarily in their style that happens all the time So if you've been listening to the podcast lately, you know we've been talking all things business, one of my absolute and all-time favorite topics. One of the things that I help my clients with the most is learning what is their responsibility in their business and what is somebody else's or what they're going to need help with. And a huge one with that is the legal side of your business. So, okay, before you you make that face with the emoji that's like, ooh, don't worry, I have a solution for you. So for me, when I work with clients, it's really important that we are protected on both sides. Having contracts in place might sound scary, but I promise you it is actually such a good thing to have in your business. So for me, contracts really provide an energetic exchange of energy. It's saying, okay, I'm here. I'm going to show up for you as the coach, as the provider. I'm going to hold you to this standard. You said, you stated you want this thing. You want this change in your business with brain rewiring, whatever it is. You know, it's energetically holding that client to the standard. And on the other side for the client, that's accountability for them. It means, wow, okay, this is a real thing. This is serious. This is something that I really want to show up for. So if you're a business owner and you're working with clients, I would highly recommend having contracts between you. There are different types of contracts for one-on-one, for group programs, for doing things like affiliate markets. 
So making sure that you have the right contract in place is super important. And for me, I had no idea what to do for this at first. I thought that I could totally just copy paste from Google and it would be just all fine. Yeah, don't do that. It's, it's not all fine. And those contracts would never hold up if you ever needed them to. So for me, the solution that I found, and I've been so happy that I did, her name is Sam Vanderweelen. She's a lawyer and she helps business coaches nutrition coaches, health coaches, climbing coaches, any type of coach, by providing us with legal templates that we can use with our clients. You get to customize them to your business so that they're actually going to stand up in court if you were to ever need them. I bought her ultimate bundle, so it has not only the contracts in there, but it also has privacy policy, terms and conditions for websites, disclaimers, all of the things, all of the legal foundations that you need in your business. So if you're interested in learning how to legally protect your business, I highly recommend Sam's free workshop. I'm going to link it in the show notes. For me, this is what I went through and started realizing like, okay, yeah, I can't turn a blind eye to this anymore. I actually need to take this step in my business, make sure that I'm protected. So I'll link the first five steps to legally protecting and growing your online business in the show notes. And you can start to learn from Sam why this is so important. And if you're interested in more of her products, I'll also link to the Ultimate Bundle, which I mentioned, which is, again, all of those legal contracts, the disclaimer, the privacy policy, all in one place for you. That way, your business can be legally protected and you can know beyond a doubt that you're doing things the right way. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about with training. So we'll kind of like gear this mainly towards, you know, performance um, outdoors or maybe even indoors for yeah. people. So things that you see people doing that you are like, okay, there's actually a better way to be doing this. Um, just kind of like general tips that you have around training for people. So going back to what I said earlier, don't be afraid to try what you're bad at is probably the first thing is um taking the time you know, taking the time to figure that out what is holding you back um because a lot of times when i'm talking to potential clients or potential people that want to get into my programs and work with me i'll be like well what's what's holding you back from these climbing goals and they're like oh well you know i'm i really i don't i have weak finger strength we'll use an example i said okay well do you are you training on a hangboard for your finger strength or are you or when you're climbing, are you focusing on training that finger strength in specific to your to your goal? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, that's probably where you need to start, right? So a lot of times we know what's holding us back and what we need to do. Right. That I all happens all the time. <laughs> I it, it's like almost every time I talk to someone about what they need to do to get better at climbing. They know what's holding them back and they know that they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. That's why, that's why going the coach route is like really beneficial because we hold each other accountable. Yes. And you can just write out here's okay. We've identified this and then here's how you fix it. Here's your literal right. plan to, to put into action to yeah. essentially like go against that. Like we're going to overcome yeah. this. Um, another thing that I see people doing, I don't want to say wrong. Because there's really, 
no wrong way to train. It's really coming down to, is that the most beneficial for you? Is that the most effective way you can do it? Um, so I'm going to say not being specific to your goals. Um, believing what you see on the internet. Um, I see a lot of, yeah, I see a lot of times where are like, where I'll be like, oh, well, have you tried this? We'll, we'll use finger strength again as an example. I'll be like, have you used this finger training protocol? Maybe have you tried that? They're like, no, no, no. I saw, I saw in this article that um, you should only be doing 753 or whatever. We'll use an example. I'm like, okay. Yeah, sure. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean you're, everyone's different. You know, whilst, while that's a great protocol, it may not necessarily be the best for you. That's what, and that's the trap that people fall into. Um, so that's, that's why, like, when I'm talking to people, I always preach specificity because that is what's going to be the best for you. You need to figure out what is going to best be best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just going right away, believing what the internet says, even if it's not without having done an assessment yourself. Now, let's say if you find a finger training protocol, again, using that as an example, that seems to fit with your goals and the specific to your goals, by all means, go for it. Um, but a lot of times when I hear that, they haven't done even a minimal assessment to figure out what they specifically need. Um, and most of these things that I say people do, quote unquote, wrong, stem from them not having figured out what is best for them. Right. Exactly. Like it's those N equals one studies. Oh, this worked for me. So then I'm going to, you know, like go out and preach about it. And then all of a sudden yes. everybody's like, oh God, is that what I should be doing too? And right. I think something too, that you alluded to is like having a way to like actually measure that that's working. Like we need some type of yeah. before assessment, some type of after, um, you yeah. know, beyond just, oh, I feel stronger, which yeah, definitely is beneficial. But for you and your clients, what are some of the things that you use or some of the ways that you measure? Okay. We've actually gotten stronger from this. So I have my own personal way of assessing people. It's, it's nothing like super scientific or fancy. It's just a general, it's an assessment of what is, you know, kind of like figuring out what a person's weaknesses are, what their goal is, what their strengths are, and where we need to target first. Um, so then in terms of measuring things, it depends on what it is. Um, so let's say the easiest thing to measure is obviously the work outside of things. Um, so for example, persons will use that. So let's say it's, we'll say we're doing a strength training protocol. Let's say they struggle with locking off, right? So a lot of times that B is, so if we're, if they can't do it for, if a lot of the times is there, if their boulder is takes a lot of lock off, like time under tension, maybe not necessarily like hard to get into the position, but becomes an endurance factor. I'm going to measure how long they're holding their density lock off is the exercise that I personally use a lot. And if they're consistently holding that for more time, then their time under tension has increased because they can hold it for longer. Right. So it's finding ways to measure what the problem is and then consistently keeping track in like a journal going back to the journaling again and seeing that progress yep and you can you can see it for yourself yeah and then that can add too to like the positive feedback and confidence loop where you see those numbers maybe you don't quote feel stronger but you see those numbers and all of a sudden you're like 
Well, shit, I am stronger. Boom. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It all works together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, people like for me, that was one of the most like frustrating things is people are like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym and train. And I'm like, but what are you doing? You know, right. so they're just going in, they're climbing on boulder problems. It's more of like a social session. They're not like writing anything down. They're not tracking their volume, you know, the types of climbs that they're doing. And then they're calling it training. And I'm like, but, but it's not technically. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we've got to get specific. We've got to get measurable. We've got to yeah. actually produce something that creates results for you as an individual. Right. And a lot of the times, and then, you know, it's, that's, you're, you're hitting it right on the ball. Um, it, that's, they all end up working together, like circling back to the confidence thing is at the start of, let's say if you give yourself an eight week cycle, right. Or an eight week program to dedicate to training for your goals. The beginning of that session or that cycle, I mean, excuse me, you might be thinking that you have no confidence. You might not be believing yourself, but then you start to see that progress you're making and then you're starting to gain some confidence. So that's that's a way that they can work together. And in that case, then it makes it easier on yourself because then you don't have to do as much journaling work for your mindset. You can just start looking at your numbers and being like, well, shit, I am getting stronger. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's been a huge thing this season. I'm like, I don't feel very strong, but my numbers keep improving. So maybe I should believe right. in myself a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk a little bit then. So for you, let's talk about the ways that you work with clients. So you are a man that has your hands in a lot of buckets. Um, that's been true about you ever since we started working together. So tell me, tell me how people can work with you. There's a lot of ways. <laughs> so let's start if we'll start with the way, if you're not in the Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area, because there's only one way if you aren't. Um, that is in my program, Primal Ready. Um, so the name of my coaching business online and like my personal one is called Primal Movement Fitness. Um, I started it back in 2020, right before right before the new year. Um, that's kind of when that's like right at right when we started working together a little bit. Um, so in that you can hit my program up, Primal Ready. So that is, that's my most effective program that I get, that I can give to people. So that is a personalized training program to you, right? So we take the assessment that we talked about a little bit before we figure out what those limiting factors are for you. We target them in the program. And then after two or three months, we reassess. Um, So that's like the most effective way that's remote only. You get messaging, you, you know, I'll be there to support you, obviously, throughout the entire time. You'll get a free consultation with me. It takes Generally, it takes like half an hour. If you sign up, you know, the assessment portion is free. I give that out for free. People can fill out the questionnaire assessments and get things started. And then they'll follow up with me to finish it off. And I'll help them review it and continue the assessment to figure out what their best options are. So that portion I give out for free. And that's remote only. So you can, I can hit anyone that wants to train throughout the country. Um, I have a couple international clients as well. That's So that's one way you can reach me. You can also, I have some standardized programs as well on my website, primalmovementfitness.com. So there's some standardized programs on there for finger strength, body weight strength training, um, 
full bouldering plans as well. There's uh, some basic nutrition ones as well. Um, so those are the two ways to reach me and to work with me if you are not in the Philadelphia area or, or in Pennsylvania um, within two hours of Philly. Right. A reasonable, yeah, driving distance. Right. Within, within at least two hours of Philly. Um, if you are in that radius of like the Philadelphia area and like the surrounding areas, there's a bunch of ways you can work with me. Um, so you can sign up for Primal Ready. Um, so that's always an option. You always have those standardized programs as well. Those are never off the table. But you can also work with me in person. Um, so I am the head coach for Two Fist Boulder Lounge, and I'm also the program director there. Um, so I do a lot of in-person, do a lot of in-person coaching there. Um, we just started, so we have. If you're an adult, um, I'm going to be opening up an adult bouldering league. We have a bunch of adult bouldering classes as well that I teach, and we're going to be starting an adult team soon as well, a bouldering team. Um, so that'll be similar to like you would see a typical youth team, just kind of the adult version. Um, but again, that's going to be specific to you, your goals, et cetera, et cetera, just like we do in Prime already. Um, so you can always work with me in person. I make, and I'll still make custom training program for you. I'll give you in-person coaching, in-person analysis right there with you the entire time. You can sign up for the programs at Tufus as well. Um, and that's typically how I work with people in that area is I'll bring them down to Tufus. Love it. Okay. And I will link all of that in the show notes to, to your website, to all of your programs. And I just want to give a shout out to your, um, you called it the body weight, but it's really, yeah, it's calisthenics. Um, you have some of the most impressive, like climbing specific calisthenic exercises that I've seen anywhere. So if you, yeah, if you're, I mean, wanting to get strong for climbing and especially, I mean, for competition climbing where you're doing things that are at a higher velocity and you do need a lot more of like that body tension and control, I think calisthenics are a great way to go for that yeah calisthenics are a great way so calisthenics um yeah i there's so there's this debate that calisthenics versus weights now at the end of the day there really is no right or wrong way to go what's wrong and i'll put that in air quotes again is what's not specific to your goals and what's going to work the best for you personally right now, I like calisthenics more because it's you can you can play around with it more. That's like my that's just that's that's why I like calisthenics more. Um, you can play around with it more, but that's not to say you can't play around a lot with weightlifting as well. And the typical form of strength training, you can do the same thing. Um, so at the end of the day, it really comes down to the specific movements and loading them in a proper way. Right, because like think of it this way: a handstand push-up and an overhead press are the same thing. The only difference is the load, right? Versus, right? It's not your entire body pushing up; you're pushing your entire body upwards, or you're pushing two dumbbells over. But the the action that your deltoids are performing, that your arms are moving, that the load is moving, is the same. Mm-hmm. The muscle groups. The nervous system activation required, the velocity, et cetera, whatever you want to, whatever points you want to bring up, they are the same. Right. So it's just a preference thing and what you're figuring out what works best for you. 
Right. Yep. What you have access to. And I mean, for me, I'm right. thinking about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like an over, um, like a handstand push up. I'm like, we're still getting there. Like that's, yeah, it's a few yeah, so, yeah. People are like, oh, well, a handstand push up is way harder than overhead press. Yeah. Because the handstand push up is your entire body weight versus right. 25 pound dumbbells. Right. <laughs> different loads. But if you put the same load, if you put your body weight in your hands, try to overpress it, you would have the same result as doing a handstand push up. Mm-hmm. Because the load's the same, the movement's the same. It may change a little bit because with a handstand push, if you're upside down, that can be a little uncomfortable getting your blood to your head. But at the end of the day, it's really not, it's really not there. Right. Exactly. And I think too, it's, it's a fun thing for people to play around with and you might just find yeah. that you also have a love for it. So before we hop off, I want to know, um, I absolutely love your motivational Monday post. I'm such a big fan. You know <laughs> this. So why don't you leave us with either one of your favorite quotes, something that you've been thinking about lately, some piece of, we'll, we'll call it motivation for people to kind of like take things to okay. the next level. That's funny you mentioned that because I, I, this past Monday was my girlfriend's birthday. So I actually missed Motivation Monday this week. <laughs> so we'll call it Motivation. Today's Wednesday. So we'll call it Motivation Wednesday. Um, okay. So, whew, all right. So I didn't come up with a new one for this week because I had missed it. But my favorite one that I've done so far is, so I, I heard this from David Goggins, if you've heard of him. He's kind of like a motivational speaker type thing is and he said was this is kind of the quote so he said he had to stop giving a shit about what people thought so that he could progress and the reason for this is because he stopped caring about what people thought about him and judged him for what he was doing because what he says is when you take a step back to clear your mind relax for a minute and look at the big picture you realize that everyone's fucked up in their own way Everyone's got their own shit going on. And at the end of the day, you don't need to care about it because all they're doing differently is hiding it from the world better than you are. Right. So when I heard that, I like it really helped me click to like kind of not care because when I now, like now, when I think about it and I see people like judging me or look at me with weird eyes, I'm like, I start thinking to myself, well, you probably have your own shit going on. So. That's one thing I've really taken back is like realizing that no one's perfect, right? Everyone's got their own shit going on in their life. Stop caring what they think because at the end of the day, they're really not better than you. Right. That's a powerful one. I like that a lot. I mean, yeah, I think there's a lot of like merit to kind of like putting your quote failures out there too, you know, not being afraid to try and like essentially reframing those failures is like, I'm fucking learning. Like we are taking something from this and moving forward and we're going to learn from it. Yeah. Failure is what failure really is, is not trying at all. You know what I mean? Fail, you know, the term fail should really be defined as your first attempt at learning. Mm-hmm. because if you want to make progress, you need to fail. You need to learn from your, your mistakes. Yep. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a good way of putting it. It's a nice way to like kind of thought shift and reframe that in a way that essentially gives you a lot more permission to just go do the yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. If you don't try it. If you don't try it, you have failed. Mm-hmm. 
right? If your goal, you can apply this to anything. If your goal is, we'll say my goal, my goal is to climb V13. If I don't try V13, then I'm going to fail. I'm never going to climb V13 if I don't even try it. This is true. You know what it's I mean? It's like, unlikely to happen. That, you know, yeah. If I never try a V13, I'm never going to climb it. <laughs> yep, exactly. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you, Nick, so much for coming on the show. Again, I will link to everything in the show notes to where people can connect with you further, your website, your programs, ways to work with you and everything. And this was such a great interview. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to keep working with you and to hear from hope, hopefully hear from some people. Definitely, definitely hit me up on Instagram. I love talking and connecting with you people. Um, so yeah, I'll link, you know, I'll give all of my stuff to Chelsea and she'll link it down for you guys. I'm excited to hopefully get to meet some of your new people in your community. Yay, thank you. A huge thank you to Nick for coming on the podcast. Such a great conversation. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. It was super great being able to pick his brain, talk all about comp strategy, journaling, mindset work, and I mean, essentially the tools that we're going to be able to use to make us better climbers. Super great. So if you have not yet left a rating and a review for the podcast, I would really appreciate it. Social media on most platforms has an algorithm. So the more ratings and review that the podcast has, the more people it can reach, the farther it spreads. And it's a way for you to spread a little bit of love. And it doesn't take very long. You can just head to iTunes and leave your rating and a review there. If you have old reviews, you can also update them. And that is really helpful as well. Thank you again so much for listening. And I will talk to you next episode. Mm-hmm.